When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. CJ. Big money CJ. I don't need to go through all the AKAs like I did last week, but uh, it is an absolute pleasure and an honor to be in the same room as you recording a podcast. Yeah, bud. What's up, Doc? There we are. Good there to see we are, big man. And Rest. I see you with the Dang It shirt too. Yes, well, I mean, sir. The, the Steve Dangle shirt. Yeah, I went with the. Uh, I wanted the collage of Steve's. Yeah, I, I quite appreciated this one and made that order. Put Dude. a little money in Sportsnet's pocket and. Uh, <laughs> Give, give my man Steve some love. That, that's how you have to see it, right? You can't be like, oh, man, here's Sportsnet. It's, it's Steve Dangle. You're supporting your friend. Yeah, well, I assume he gets a cut of it. I didn't ask him, but I mean, that's surely a- they didn't put the man's image on a shirt and not give him a little love. Yeah. Uh, if anyone knows whether or not or how much of a cut Steve Dangle gets from getting these shirts, uh, please let us know. Uh, we would just really much like to know that. Uh, but I'm sure everyone at home would like to know more about uh, some of the stuff we want to talk about. On this in-person edition of the CJ Show. Well, I've already learned something today. Oh, okay. All right. That I didn't know. Okay, all right. SDPN memes doesn't work here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, like, I, I know his name is... Their name is Aaron. That's all I know about them. And they make... Uh, yeah, for people who know about SDPN memes, it's a it's a, an account. It's 24-7. Yeah. There's, it's like a Twitter and Instagram account that uh, essentially makes memes of everyone on the SDPN, essentially. So right. it's, it's either the Dangle podcast or our podcast. We get memed. But I'll be up at like 12.15 watching a Kings-Ducks game and I'll get tagged in something. I'm like, what is this? And it's like SDPN memes just like churning it out like in the <laughs> middle of the night. <laughs> like, it's wild. I, like, I assumed it was maybe Jesse... Like, I, like I, you know, it was a, a bit of a mystery to me, but I assume, you know, this person or people worked here. J- Jesse works hard, but like, I don't know if he works that hard. Right. Like, that's a lot of effort to put together like memes on like you doing the, the, the hotline bling dance. And yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. I think I sent you that video. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's hilarious to me, by the way. That's amazing. <laughs> So, yeah, big shout out to, yeah, to Aaron. There's a little stick tap there. Absolutely. That <laughs> Even means, though it's not a stick tap, it's not day, a stick you know, tap but day. like this is a half tap on a Monday. You know, we're bringing the big <laughs> Monday energy. So thanks for all you do, Aaron. Half tap to, to Aaron. Uh, but today is an Ask CJ Day. And uh, before we get to the end of the podcast, we'll get to uh, questions that will be from Discord and on Twitter as well. Uh, I uh, And also, I mean, we're going to try not to get to the ones that were already asked in your uh, Inside the NHL column, which uh, you should check out on the Toronto Star. 
but uh, yeah, we have a lot to get to today. Uh, I want to get to Connor McDavid. I want to briefly mention the coaching news with the Chicago Blackhawks and Jeremy Colleton losing his job. Um, but I also wanted to mention uh, Mike Babcock, whose name has resurfaced in the news uh, off of a profile that was done on him on Sportsnet, written by David Singh. I'm not going to lie to you. Like I, I, I read the story that went out over the weekend. Uh, for those who care to read it, uh, it basically follows him as he's doing his work with the University of Saskatchewan Huskies men's hockey team. Uh, a lot of people have been critical of it, saying it's essentially like a puff piece. And I saw the criticisms before I got into the story. And I have to admit, like I was reading it, I'm like, okay, when does he get to the stuff where he addresses all the bad crap that he said that ultimately led him to losing his job? We, we know with, with what happened with Mitch Marner, uh, Johan Franzen has some really bad things. The former Detroit Red Wings. Well, I don't know that that stuff him. led to him losing his job, though. Well, okay, that's fair. It's not, it's not fair to personify it like that. Because Marner mean, happened a couple seasons. That's true. You know, this came out, though, after he lost his job. That's like, very that's, true. I should, I should add that. But... You know, I'm with you. Look, I see this two ways, right? And, you know, much like yourself, I'm a journalist. I've had to go on assignments. I, I have a ton of respect for David Singh. You know, I, I worked with David a long time ago at the Canadian Press. We, we crossed paths at Sportsnet as well. And I think he's like a really conscientious, smart, caring journalist. But, you know, when you're doing this assignment, there's no win there. Because it's pretty clear, you know, in the last section of the story for anyone who did see it, you know, he he asked the pertinent questions of Mike Babcock, you know, that need to be asked. And Mike, you know, just doesn't appear to have switched his view on, you know, what he told Pierre Lebrun at The Athletic, you mm -hmm. know, maybe a year ago now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, really, anytime I've heard him speak to these issues in the last two years since he lost his job in Toronto, there's not a lot of reflection there. Like, you know, I think it's pretty clear that it's his view and I'm speaking for him a little bit here without knowing for sure, but like it seems to be his view that he didn't do anything wrong. That, you know, that he, he feels maybe he crossed the line slightly, but, but in an acceptable manner that, you know, just happens in the nature of his job. And, you know, I think we have to recognize that the, the coach-player relationship tends to be, it can be an emotional one, right? I mean, they're, not to make a war reference here, but you're kind of in the heat of battle together in the right. intensity of a game. It's, it can be a dangerous game. It, it certainly, a lot gets broiled up, I think, at ice level or in the dressing room level of a, an NHL arena that if you haven't been around it, you know, there's a lot of off-color language used. There's a lot of sort of challenging and pushing each other because it is, it, look at it, it's, a, it's still a physical sport. Like, I get, it, it's gone away from like the 80s sideshow stuff with, with a lot of just specialty fighters and all that kind of thing. But, you know, you could get hurt in any game if you're in the NHL. Yeah. Like, just straight up, you know, the speed it's played at, you got to watch yourself. And so anyway, it does seem that Mike doesn't feel that he's, you know, that he has anything to apologize for. And in a sense, that's fine. I'm not saying, like, if I was, I would like him to get to the point where he feels like maybe he's got to take a bit more ownership of that. But I guess we're at the, the stage where if he's not going to show that self-reflection or if he's not going to change that stance, I mean, maybe he just can't really be written about this way. And, and to that point... Maybe he's not necessarily deserving of a second chance in the National Hockey League. I don't think he wants one. That's interesting. Because I feel like a lot of other people would think that not only would he want that second chance, but, and maybe this has to do with how the NHL is and how professional sports is, that he could put himself in a position where a team might be interested in, in getting him. And I understand he has the, I don't know how much left he has on that contract with Toronto, which I'm sure, you know, he probably doesn't want to 
lose out on whatever money he's still getting from that. But a lot of people, the 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 seeming seemingly the general thinking would be that he would position himself one day to get back in the National Hockey League. Well, he he spoke to the Washington Capitals when they hired Peter Laviolette at that point in time. You know, I think other teams have felt him out on situations and gauged his interest. And my sense of where he's at, and I haven't asked him specifically about this, but knowing people he knows is that he's probably done as an NHL head coach. Now, look, his Leafs deal expires at some point. You know, this is a one-year deal, he said, at the University of Saskatchewan. So this is kind of special circumstances that he's in U sports this year and going back to his, you know, where he grew up. And, you know, a lot of it's tied to family. His wife's parents are getting quite elderly and it right. gives them a chance to spend time with family. His son, Mike Babcock Jr., is on his bench. Um, so, you know, I think this is a one-off. Maybe after that, maybe he's like a consultant for a team. You know, like we've seen Scotty Bowman or Cliff Fletcher. You know, a lot of sort of senior hockey people are there just to offer, you know, to, to offer some of their perspective. Maybe we see him do that. But, you know, the, the more time goes on and the more I've dug into this, the more I get this idea that he's done as an NHL head coach. I just want to lift uh, a couple quotes from Mike Babcock from this Sportsnet piece uh, with regards to Johan Franzen. And forgive me, I don't remember the specifics of the relationship between those two players, but Johan Franzen essentially does not have a lot of nice things to say when it comes to Mike Babcock. And he's dealt a lot post-career, like he's he's had some issues. Absolutely. Uh, the quote I was able to lift from Mike Babcock when it comes to Johan Franzen, if I've done something wrong, I have to own that, he says, but I'm good with my life. I'm good with my moral fiber. I'm good with my family. Like to, to your point about the fact that you, you don't seem to think that Mike Babcock essentially wants to apologize for some of the stuff that he did. Like I read that and I'm like, oh, okay, well, if I've done something wrong, like you seem to believe that you did not do anything wrong and that's already a red flag. That's a little bit weird to me. And that's, and that's Johan Franzen. And, and for Mitch Marner. Well, it's, it's not clear to, to me though. Like yeah. did he, has he apologized somewhere else? Like is. I don't know. Because he's acknowledging in there that, yes, if I've done something wrong, I've got to live with that. I've got to own that, whatever. Yeah, but that also implies but like, that have you, you own it. Yeah, but that also implies you don't know if you've done anything wrong. If I've done something wrong, that means you did something and you, you went about doing it and you may not necessarily think what you did was wrong. And maybe other people bringing it to your attention, you're like, oh, did I do something wrong? Like that doesn't that doesn't scream accountability. Mike is a complicated guy, man. Yeah, he is. You know. He was a Leafs coach, I think, for five seasons or parts of five seasons. In those five seasons, my job at Sportsnet was I literally went to every Leafs game, not on Saturday because I was in studio on Saturday doing hockey night. Right. And literally every practice. Like, I mean, basically, if they were available to the media 190 times a year, I was there like 170 of them for five years, like every year. Anyway, I'm getting to the point here. So before the last game he coached as Toronto's coach, they were in Vegas for three days before the game. They flew there after a Saturday night game, and they didn't play till Tuesday. So on the Sunday, there's a Flames-Golden Knights game in the afternoon, and you know I was in Vegas, too, to cover the team. And so I go to the game, and Mike's at the game, and other Leafs people are there, and it's the first intermission, and so we're in the press box. And you know, in that situation, especially because the heat was up, they'd gotten spanked the night before in Pittsburgh, so it, it was in the air that his job wasn't great. And, and probably at the best of times, I wouldn't be running over to him, you know what I'm saying? Because we're sort of bumping into other Anyway. Right. So he comes over and he's like, so what do you do? What? And I was like. That happened? Well, but he was, I have to say, like, because that could come across. He, it, it wasn't, I didn't take it like he was being a jerk. It actually sounded like he was interested. Okay. But he's like, so like, why are you here? And I was like, well, you know, I'm a reporter. I cover the NHL and, you know, you see me at your games, but 
you know, I do cover the other teams and things that are going on. You know, I'm in a city where there's an NHL game being played. And he's like, oh, I didn't, you know, it, it, I kind of got the feeling like he didn't know who I was. And I'm not saying he followed everything I do, because that wouldn't be very productive in his job with any media member. Like, I, I don't think, but it was, it would be impossible that he didn't at least know who I was. Like, or at least not recognize you. Right. But like he knew, he did recognize me, came over, but then, you know, I, it was just such a strange interaction. And then he, he proceeded to tell me a few things going on with the team, which was sort of interesting because it's sort of like he starts off by saying like, I'm not feeding your ego too much. I'm not even saying I know who you are, but then he's like, hey, but here's some things going on. And then, you know, anyway, then he got fired. I mean, we, we always had a fine enough relationship. Honestly, it, it kind of typifies it though. Like I can never, can never figure out where he's coming from. And, and I only relay that story or that anecdote right? because like I'm reading these quotes or hearing them from you and I'm like, I don't really get it. Like, and, 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 th- and your reactions here are going off only one of the two quotes that I was going to read. And that's off the Johan Franzen quote. What's and, the second one? Uh, so the one I pulled on Mitch Marner, uh, he references the story where uh, when Mitch Marner was like a rookie or young player in the Leafs organization, uh, Babcock asked Marner uh, for a list of players and ranking their work ethic. And then he showed the list to the players. I think that was the going story. Yeah. And uh, Babcock says, that's a complete farce, the way that it's talked about and the way that it happened. It didn't happen like that. I asked the kid to do something. He did it. The next player came in and then there's ellipses. And then he says, so did I ever try to put Mitch Marner in a tough place? Mitch Marner played great for Mike Babcock and not like. Mitch Marner played great for me. It's Mitch Marner played great for Mike Babcock. Like he he's he's third personing himself here, right? And I, again, it's I don't self-referencing get, whatever. But I don't get why he's doing that. I don't get that either. But it, it's that there's there's a reason. But I can't tell you what it is. Like I, I would guess if I had a good guess, I would. I'm not. I wouldn't be afraid to throw it out there as an idea. I don't get it. Like you know. In fact, he has a quote from the next day after that, that we had that thing in the Vegas press box, and he said something like, I'm going to continue to bet on, I've always bet on Mike Babcock, I'm going to continue to bet on, like, bet on Mike Babcock. Bet on himself. But he said that literally the day before he was fired, or two days before he was fired by the Leafs. Yeah, look at he's got a tremendous amount of self-belief, but I, I, anyway, I don't understand using, I've never used my name in the third person as like a way to answer a question. Maybe as a joke somewhere along the line, but never like in a serious way. So I, I don't know what he's doing there. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit confused, and I don't have the relationship that you might have had with Mike Babcock. As far as I know, I've never been in a scrum. I mean, I don't even think, I'm trying to remember, when was the year he got fired? 20, I forget the year he got fired, but I was not in. Any, 2019. 2019. November 2019. In any case, I've never been in a scrum with Mike Babcock. I've never met the person. I understand he means a lot. He meant a lot to the University of McGill in Montreal. A lot of people like to bring that up because of the McGill tie, but I don't know anything about the dude. But to read these quotes and to read that well, he story was unquestionably that, like, the best coach in the NHL for a period of time. I, like, I, I acknowledge that. I, I acknowledge that. And I acknowledge which doesn't excuse. Stuff. No, it doesn't. Any behavior, you no. know. I'm just saying. But like, he earned professionally the love he was getting, and he earned getting the largest contract I, of his I peers. It. I get it. But now but we're seeing a different side of it. That's what I'm saying. I sent and and reading this stuff here and reading the stuff in the story, I don't get the sense of a man who realizes that. He hurt people. He affected people in a negative way and didn't take the advantage of the platform afforded by David Singh. Uh, Say what you want about the fact that the story was done. He could have easily used that as an opportunity to be like, hey, you know what? 
I made mistakes along the way. I don't know if I have an opportunity left in the National Hockey League, or maybe I don't even necessarily want one anymore. But I and I realize I did what I did with it, and I'm sorry and whatever. Like I, when you're in a situation, like he he can't be so aloof and dumb to not know that people realize that you know. Yes, he did deserve the love that he got as a head coach, but he did some pretty crappy. It seemed as if he did some pretty crappy things and people are asking questions about that. And hey, maybe he's right. Maybe the Mitch Marner thing didn't go exactly as what was personified in 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 the media, but, but also he like he has an opportunity here to clarify that what's exactly what's it. not like what is or what's the missing part of the story maybe yes. that's being lost or that's it. You like, know. like 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 add those details. Like add that and and at least try to just be like, hey, you know what, man, I, I messed up. Like, do that, you know. It's, even if it's not Marner, like Johan Franzen, who in his day, one of the more premier, one of the really good players in the National Hockey League, who is in a seems like he's in a pretty dark place right now, had all those bad things to say about Mike Babcock, and I'm willing to bet there are a whole bunch of other NHL players who don't necessarily have the nicest things to say about Mike Babcock. I'm, like, and do you know where this is tricky on, though? That. Let's be real. Sure. There's a lot of players out there that didn't like their coach. Yeah. The same way we might have a lot of friends in our industries that don't like their boss. You know, like, it's not a job that you're there to be liked, but the, the question is, how often did his behavior cross the line or the way his treatment of these these people? And, and you know, it's really hard to know. I mean, we have these two stories that have been told by the players themselves. Uh, so, obviously, they felt like there was some some crossing of the line there. You know, there's probably more that just are quiet. I mean, you've had... Mike Commodore quite loudly in vociferous. <laughs> you want to try that again? No, I'm just going to move on. But That's everyone fine. else quite, quite emphatically uh, question Mike Babcock. You know, here's how I think this is going to go. Sure. Because as I said, I got a lot of respect for David Singh. This story got skewered online. Um, I suspect we're just going to see Mike not be back in the NHL and you're going to see fewer and fewer to none no more stories like this unless you know mike babcock gets to a point where he wants to say a little bit more or show some concern um because right now it doesn't seem to be there and i just don't think it's it's worth media outlets time to keep going back to this well let me let me ask you one more question about this do you we mentioned the fact that you know what maybe less few and fewer outlets are going to go to mike babcock because he might not have more to say than what he said this kind of crossed my mind the fact that he didn't necessarily use this as an opportunity to apologize for some He doesn't of think stuff, he needs to apologize. That, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What if an outlet goes to him next time? And then that's when he tries to apologize for that stuff. Isn't that going to come across as disingenuous? Isn't that going to come across as, well, wait a minute. Now you're doubling down on this stuff. Well, now, now you've stopped doubling down and now you're apologizing. Now you want an opportunity in the National Hockey League. That's, if, that's what he wants. Depends. How, I don't, but here's the thing. I don't think he wants to be back in the league, man. And I don't think that he feels like he needs to clear up his leg legacy or anything like that. Like, I think, you know, there's lots of reasons not to like what he said here. Right. But I'll say this. I don't think he's, like, I think that that's what he believes. Like, I don't think he's doing anything. And so, like, maybe he does have a legitimate change of heart. Like, that does happen. Maybe there will be self-reflection there. I think there's still a way for him to, to present that publicly, but he's got to get there on his own. And, and I just, I see less appetite from a media standpoint to go back to that well again and again and again if he's going to give sort of the same version of events that that don't satisfy anyone that's what it looks like but uh yeah you can't be in this game and and just say all right i'm sorry you have to put in the work and i don't know if mike babcock is willing to put in that work i mean and that's fine if he wants to just 
feel as if he didn't do anything wrong and he doesn't want to be in the NHL. He just wants to live his life and just be close to his family. That's fine. But, and, and you know what? I'll take your word for it. Maybe he doesn't necessarily want to go back to the NHL, but it is just a little weird to, to see. And I have no issue with David Singh. There's no beef with David Singh. David Singh just, just tried to do his job. But, uh, yeah, I, I, this, this, this Mike Babcock story, I, I, it was good that we talked about it, but I didn't, he didn't say anything that leads me to believe, even if he didn't want to go back to the NHL, that he did any, that he realized he did anything wrong. And I know we've, he doesn't said that strike me times. as a guy, but he doesn't strike me as a guy that has ever doubted himself. I think you can not, you can not doubt, you can, you can not have doubt in yourself and also be a good person. You of can, course you can, you can, you but, can, you can be a good person and reference yourself in the third, in the third person. You could easily be right now be like, hi everybody. I'm big money CJ. And everyone would just laugh at that because people know you're a good person. You're not like Babcock, but everyone makes mistakes. Like everyone is, makes mistakes. I get that. Well, this is where I'm saying like, I'm willing to accept. I mean, look, this guy coached what? 1500 NHL games, something like that. Like, of course, across that amount of time. Anyone coaches 1,500 games, you probably said something you didn't mean to. I'm sure. Or did something you didn't mean to, like maybe came out the wrong way, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, that's sort of my understanding of the Marner situation. I think that that, it, it was not the way it was intended to go down, and it Fine. didn't go down right. And, you know, the one thing that, ha- that has been said at the time is that both Lou Lamorello, who's the Leafs GM, and Mike Babcock apologized to Marner at the time. Like, in the moment, for sure, they acknowledged their mistake was made. Like, that's why I don't really get why he's still, anyway... We should move along because we're not we're going in circles here. But we are, you know, I do think we're seeing the, the, like the end of this guy's career came quicker than I would ever guess. I would always guess first of all he was going to last longer in Toronto, and I would have guessed he would have another place to coach. But the world's changing, and and I don't think he's changing. And here we are. One thing I'll mention before we move on to the next thing, uh, something I'm going to try to do a lot earlier in the shows, and I'm going to try to make sure I do uh, a lot more frequently. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. You know, it's it's just good to do. Give uh, us a rating. Yeah, do that. You know, slap wherever. a five on there. Yeah, slap you a know. five. <laughs> we're here. It's Monday. Yeah. We're we're bringing it. Exactly. I just want to because I, I know I do that at the end. It's just good to just do at different points in the podcast, or at least earlier, so that way you know SEO and all that stuff. But subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe to the YouTube page. Uh, you also mentioned the Calgary Flames uh, while we were talking about Mike Babcock. Uh, I mentioned something, uh, well, something was mentioned at the end of the SDP with regards to a story of yours in Calgary. We may or may not get to that before the end of the show. I just want to kind of tease that out there. Connor McDavid, we have to talk how, about Connor McDavid and ask CJ. How honest do we want to be on these, this podcast? I mean, this is your podcast. You can be as I honest know, as you want. we're in the want. same room. Yeah, well, you can be as honest as you want. We got Jesse Blake here off camera. Yeah, we're... Jesse Blake. Shout out Jesse Blake, who is here, and he insisted on not, one, not being on camera, and two, not saying anything. He's the mystery man in the room. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. But yeah, okay. I can't lie in front of you two. We'll get to that later. All right. We'll get to that later. Uh, I want to just ask you uh, for your thoughts on the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, their firing of, of head coach Jeremy Colleton, who I think was one of the younger coaches in the National Hockey League, but just did not seem to get any bit of tangible success while behind the bench. And we all know how bad they've been this year. They have a 2-9-2 record. I know they won in overtime the other night, but uh, Jeremy Colleton and, and his time is done in Chicago. What, just wondering your thoughts on that. It feels like a mercy firing with, you know, one win out of the gates, everything that's gone on in that organization, which I don't think is directly tied to this decision, but no. You know, they they need to there's a deep cleaning coming to that organization. They're still looking for a full-time general manager. I know Kyle Davidson's there now as the interim GM. He made this call, which is interesting that he had the power to do that. You know, sometimes guys 
you know, run a team on an intern basis for a month or two months and just, you're basically just keeping the lights on, making sure everyone's expenses get filed the right way. You know what I mean? Like, you know, cause there is a practical part of that job, um, that isn't just making major decisions that we critique on a podcast. Uh, but you know, Kyle Davidson obviously has some power there, but you know, for Jeremy Colton, I just feel like he was never given a chance. Like truly like talk about being put in a position to fail. You replaced Joel Quenville at the end of a fairly close to dynastic run for that team. If right. maybe not a full dynasty, pretty darn close to a dynasty. He, he did have that. Yes. And so you're, you're taking the ship over, you know, it reminds me a little bit of Jeff Blashill in Detroit. Like he took over from Mike Babcock when it was clear that that team was losing all its superstar players. And it was going to be a period of time before they got relevant again. And you're just there in the meantime, kind of looking bad, like, like a placeholder. Well, and, and like the stink of what's happening gets attached to you, even though I don't think it, I don't know that there's a coaching issue there. It, it, you know, to me, he wasn't given a fair shake. And then, you know, this past off season was a disaster for Chicago. I mean, there's no, there's no other way to put it. You know, they, they had started to rebuild, right? Like they're picking players like Kirby Doc right up at the top of the draft. Um, you know, they do have some other nice young players. Alex DeBrink hits really come along. You know, I think that there's a reason to hope for the future, but then they go out and trade for Seth Jones and give him a massive extension. And, and, you know, let's leave apart for the moment that Seth Jones has struggled mightily out of the gate. Because mm-hmm. even if he's playing well, I, I would argue that it was the wrong player at the wrong time. Like, what about where they're at today suggested to you that we're a major defensive piece away from being back in contention mode? Like, I get that there's, some, there's probably some stress there because you have Patrick Kane getting pretty close to the end of a contract. Yeah. John and Taves in the same spot. And so the, the, the dream is you want to do what Boston did, right? Like they had a first set of cup runs with, with Bergeron and, and, and Zidane Char and David Krejci and all those guys. They, they fell back a bit. They got, you know, Charlie McAvoy hiding the draft, Jake DeBrusque, a few other players. And then they had a second, you know, set of runs where, you know, they didn't win a Stanley Cup, but they got to game seven in 2019 against St. Louis. And, you know, we're certainly a team that could have won another cup. But, and so that's, that's the ideal thing. You managed to keep those guys as career-long Bruins and gave them two sort of waves of contention. You know, I understand wanting that in Chicago, but I just, it just it wasn't there. They just don't have enough. And so I think that they have a roster construction issue, not a coaching issue. But you get to a certain point, and the season was spiraling away as it was. And, you know, Jeremy Colton, you're right. He's, I think he's 33, 34. Yeah, he's not that He's not that. Uh, he's old. younger than me. Yeah. I know that much. And, and, <laughs> and I only highlight that to say, I actually won't be surprised if this guy does coach in the NHL again. Okay. But it might take a time. You know, like if you, I actually look at guys like Bruce Cassidy, who's in Boston now, uh, Mike Sullivan, both those men had really, they had a really early coaching experience in the NHL, had to go back to the NHL, had to pay their dues again, be NHL assistant coaches before getting a second chance. I mean, I, I actually think there's there's a lot to like about Jeremy Colton as a coach, but it wasn't working for anyone in Chicago, and so the, the move gets made. Derek King actually is a great story in his own right. You know, he's been a career long coach, been a lot of a lot of hard miles on him in the AHL as a coach. He played in the NHL too, but you know, from what I've gathered, I don't know Derek personally, but there's a lot of people out there rooting for him, and he gets the rest of the season, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, because maybe maybe he can turn things around in in a short enough frame where they're like, okay, well, this is the guy to keep leading us. Um, and I do think we'll hear from Jeremy Colton again, but it's going to be tough. It's, he's not going to be rumored in the next coaching, you know, rumor. I don't think it's going to, it's going to take some rehabilitation, maybe a step back. He coached in Sweden before coming to North America. Maybe he goes back to Europe. I mean, he's going to have options, but, um, as I say, a mercy firing, I know he wasn't happy about it, but I bet a couple of days from now he'll be able to go like, all right, well, that's no longer my problem. He gets paid through the end of next season. 
let's let's build towards the next thing. Okay, I think that's enough. We can uh, go in on the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. I want to talk about Connor McDavid. I want to talk about Connor who? Uh, Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, the uh, or McJesus, as some people like. McMoses. I saw someone call him parting the seas. There. That's actually a really good reference. I like that. So. I've seen the goal he scored against the New York Rangers probably about 20, 25 times. Right. Uh, SDPN memes, funny enough, I'm sure has made a, plenty of meme uh, with that, and enough people have as well. Um, they might have made it a meme before the goal even happened. Like, uh, you could Aaron's just, on top of stuff. You can just make a meme with Connor McDavid off the face that he made after he scored. And yeah. That might arguably be, if not the coolest thing, like the second coolest thing about what happened. Like, he couldn't even believe what happened against the New York Rangers, the time, the place, everything. Like, for you and and what you've seen of Connor McDavid, like, where does that rank in terms of, like, the best goals he's ever scored? It's number one for me. Me too. And I was in the building when he scored the goal where he, you know, he posterized Morgan Riley. Oof. And that was a pretty, pretty sick goal. That and, like, the amazing. way it's like, he, it's like he bent time to his own thing. Like, just the way he moved, it was a really phenomenal goal. But... Splitting through four guys. I mean, this it's it's like Mario Lemieux esque, and and that's going to be a dated reference for you. But you've probably seen the goals. I've right seen where the goal. You know, it's if you've ever been to the building in Pittsburgh, they actually made a statue outside of Mario splitting through the D to score that goal. Like borrow from that Edmonton. I mean, it's we're not we're not building <laughs> statues yet for Connor, but when you do, eventually, like you you could have worse ones than this one. And I know it's you know game ten of the regular season, whatever it is. Not not a game of consequence. It's not a Stanley Cup winning goal or something, but I think people will remember that one forever. And just the idea he would circle up, wait for Jesse Pugliarvi to get onside, and see four white sweaters clustered in the middle of the ice where, you know, as opponents, you're trying to force the plays away from your goaltender and you just go right through it. Like, that's insane. And then, you know, the fact there's three minutes left, he ties the game on that play. They come back and win. They, you know, they were down three in, in that game. I have to say, because I know that this, this take might not age well, but I, I think the Oilers got something going on. And I don't just mean the hot start. And I know that there's problems with that blue line. Right. And I know that it's hard to see Mike Smith and Miko Kotskin and carrying a team to a Stanley Cup. So, like I, like, I recognize this isn't a perfect team, but, like, those guys are so good, him and Dreisaitl. And I know playoff hockey's different, and I know they never call penalties on them and all that yeah. stuff. I, like, I've... I know we've seen a version of this before, but like they're getting better. And, and it's, yes, it's the highlight real nature of that goal. Like that's why you brought up the topic. But I mean, if we look at their start to their season, it's like bananas. It's incredible. Like he's got, oh, I think he's almost at 160 points now for his last 82 regular <laughs> season games. Like we haven't <laughs> seen, nobody has done this in 25 years. Like, like this is as close to Mario Lemieux in terms of just sheer point production that we've seen. And, you know, look at, I'm still looking at that division after the Eichel trade. Like I think Vegas is really, I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs, but it's, it's, that's, that's a grind of a regular season for those guys. Cause they just, they're, they're down so much talent. I just see an opportunity in the Pacific for Edmonton. You know, it's working with Zach Hyman. Pugliarvi's like, he's come along. Like they made some smart, they made, they made some smart decisions in the off season. And, and when you got two of literally the best players on earth, surely you can find a way. And so I think that all the hype is deserved for a goal like that, but I also think there should be a bit of hype about the Oilers, even though I know that they haven't gone on long playoff runs yet. But, but I mean, as we're recording right now, 9-1-0 and to start their first 10 games of the season. You do have every right to 
to hype up the Edmonton Oilers. And funny enough, for the Golden Knights, where yes, they made the trade with Jack Eichel, and he won't be available to them until early next year. I think if you're the Vegas Golden Knights right now, just try to get everyone as healthy as you can, and just hope to make the playoffs at this point. And if they're going to have to worry about that, a team like Edmonton can just worry about winning the division, which would be a huge step for this team. Right, and they like I think these guys because they've been at it a while now. Like they know every year is so important, but like. Vegas is probably, I think it's reasonable to bet that Vegas of next season is going to be better than whatever Vegas becomes this sure. year. Just because they'll have a healthy Jack Eichel. They got some other things they can do. Like, like Vegas is going to be a contender, I think, for the next five years in various forms. But this might be the one year where, depending, like, if they get more injuries, like, they're, like, I almost had to play for them when they were here in Toronto last week. They, they were, <laughs> I mean, they're so banged up that they were, they were that desperate. So, uh, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, hey, look, look, when Vegas came into Montreal over the weekend, I was looking at them in the first period. They had that one point in the second period, they were outshot 22 to one. And I was like, like, this is it. Like, and I was sitting next to my colleague, Jesse Granger. And he was telling me like, yeah, these guys are like banged up. He's looking at Shea Theodore. It's like Shea Theodore isn't even looking himself. I was like, okay, like I can't skate. Are they going to call me? Like what's right. going on? Like they're, they're banged up. So like, I, I'm just saying they could suffer more injuries. Of course, it's the nature of the sport. Like this is going to be a really hard season for them to get through to get into the playoffs. They can maybe do it, but anyway, what I think it, they can make the playoffs. What it means for Edmonton, though, is that there's yes. a freaking opportunity here, and I think those guys get it. And I and I love the Hyman signing in the short term. Like y- the only concern there is what it looks like in year five or year six of a co- that kind of contract, just because of the way he plays and his age. But you know, right now, like they've they've beefed up their top six. The, the two studs look even better than ever before, and. You know, I think that they're going to trade for a goaltender. Okay. You know, I I think it's reasonable to link Mark Andre Fleury to Edmonton. It's it's not the same as saying. Oh, let's let's talk about that. You you if you're Edmonton, you want Mark Andre Fleury right now. I'm not saying it's happening. Oh no, I'm not taking that as that. But you know, look, we're at a point where Mark Andre Fleury and look, we have the agent provocateur who have, happens to represent Mark the Andre Fleury. Provocateur, yes. So you know, yes. Alan Walsh could probably speak to this better than me, but I think it's it's fair to say Marc-Andre Fleury at this stage of his career doesn't want to play on a one-win Chicago Blackhawks team. You know, he's... They have two wins. Two wins. Pardon me. No, it's all good. But, you know, he's he wants to win another Stanley Cup. And there's only so many teams that we could say are cup contenders that might need a goaltender. There's there's more than Edmonton, but there's not a lot of them. And I, I, I think there's enough smoke to just say, hey, look, it's like two people look at it across... They're looking at each other across the room. Like they don't know if it's going to happen, but I don't think it's 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 not crazy to suggest that it might go that way. And you know, Edmonton, you know, Edmonton has some cap issues to resolve. Like it's look at. I just think that they understand what this season means, and I I see them trading for a D before the deadline, and I see them getting another goaltender, and that goaltender might be the reigning Vezina Trophy winner. I'm just picturing Mark Andre Fleury being at some party somewhere and he sees Connor mcdavid across the way and he just stares longingly at Connor mcdavid thinking man would i love to play on his team and not on this yeah one well, he's team he, of a chicago blackhawks roster. he can type up nhl.com and go like yeah nine one and oh like that's and they need a goaltender right like keep in mind most teams that would ever be nine one and oh ah aren't going to need him you know colorado could be a fit too we'll see how sure. things go with darcy kemper like like i'm not saying it has to be edmonton you know, I don't know if he'd want to come to Toronto, but we'll see what goes on with, with the Maple Leafs. You know, Peter Mrazek's out for four more weeks. You know, Jack Campbell's been great, but, you know, I think that there's a scenario there, and Pittsburgh has long been, like, everybody seems to want a reunion with the Penguins and Flurry before the end of his career, and, and it doesn't have to happen this season. Maybe he plays one more year and mm-hmm. signs back there. 
kind of completes the storybook. But you know, I he'll he'll probably have other places. I guess is what I'm saying that that might be a fit. But I, you know, the Oilers might look pretty good with the uh, number 29 between the pipes. You know what's also good? The fact that the Oilers are doing as well as they are and the Flames are like right behind them, just breathing behind their necks at 7-1-3. and three. They've had a really good start as well. Which Biggest means, surprise for me. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say because I thought they'd be a middle-of-the-pack team in that division. I think a lot of people were dreading a Daryl Sutter-led team even though his track record suggests he's a, he's still a good coach. He's, he's taken teams that were kind of on the downslide and picked them up and made them look good like it, it, and he's done that with the calgary flames so far so if we get another belt uh, i the picked them to win the north division last year i like, remember that like i was high I on remember them. that yes they bit me yes they did so then you know so you don't trust them well look at i mean they've had the same core in place for seven eight seasons and they've yet to go on a long playoff run they're not bad players and johnny goodrow's no. having a great start to the season elias but, lindholm too Lindholm is a stud, and they got him, I think, for less than $5 million on the cap. Like, he's, like, that's that's great value. You know, Andrew Mangiapane, who I know we talked about a little bit, mm-hmm. getting on Team Canada's radar out of nowhere. You know, he's making 2.5 or 2.8 or something like that. Like, they, I think they've done a nice job with that team, honestly. Uh, but I just don't know what happened last year. And so, because last year didn't work out, I just didn't expect too much. But you're right. Daryl Sutter has them playing a certain way. As long as the players buy in... You know, and everyone there knows it, it's not full last dance. Like, I'm not saying all these guys are gone, but there's so many big contract decisions to be made there that, you know, I think it's reasonable to think that there's a reason they ran on Jack Eichel. Right. I mean, it's it's because, yeah, you can't get 25-year-old first-line centers too easily too often, but it's also because they have some big decisions to make on their core. I think they need to improve their core in the big picture. And so, yeah, they they've, you know, we might have a real Battle of Alberta playoff series, which... Sign me up for that. Someone asked me on my Instagram, uh, Battle of Alberta seven-game series, who wins? I said I would like to see Edmonton win. I'm not going to provide any insight as if I know what I'm talking about between those two teams because I haven't watched them nearly enough play against each other to see who would win, but I would like to see the Oilers win in a best of seven, in in a Battle of Alberta best of seven. The sport of hockey wins. The fans win. Uh, I thought my answer was a cop-out. That is the cop-out of the year. Dude, okay. That what? is the cop-out of the okay, year. So, so it's November. It's November 8th. Yes. What am I doing making a hypothetical pick for a hypothetical playoff series? <laughs> like, I don't know who's playing net for the Oilers. I don't know what You're the right. teams look like. I haven't seen them play each other enough. All right. I have nothing to base it on to say who would win that series. Okay. But I do think it would be awesome. It would be awesome. And you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's November 8th. What do we, we're not even at American Thanksgiving yet. We don't even know. Right. That's like you saying, like, who's going to win a Carolina, Florida series in 2024? <laughs> like, <laughs> we, we might get a Carolina, Florida series in 2022. We might. But my point is, is like, I can't guess. Like, I, I got enough time keeping the checkers on the board right now in the right order, let alone what's going to be happening six months from now. Okay. Uh, I am, I'm, only, I'm only bringing it up because Adam teased it on the SDP. And we all know how we feel about Adam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, he's we're in his house right now. We are in his house right now. Like, Thank you, Adam. I'm worried we might be locked in the basement because we've been down here more than half an hour. I don't know about that. <laughs> I told him straight up at the end of the SDP that if we were going to go longer than 30 minutes, and all yeah. he did was all he did was was laugh, cackle. He yeah. He he has this like evil super villain laugh. Yeah. I don't know if that like has anyone ever brought that up to Adam Wilde? You, it's the you can't be a big boss man like he is without having a little bit of that. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I might destroy lives over this 30 minute time limit. We don't know. <laughs> I think I think I got that right. Yeah. 
anyway, the reason why I bring up Adam is because uh, he wanted us to tease or wanted you to bring up the story that happened to you in Calgary. And because it's your podcast, because your name is on the marquee, uh, I'm just going to be your friend here and be like, you know what? You don't have to bring up the story if you don't want to. But if you want to, this is the platform to do it. <laughs> well, I mean, look, at people come here for the real thing, so that you can't just be telling your good stories. Okay. <laughs> Every once in a while, you got to be kind of the goat of a story. And I don't okay. mean the greatest of all time. I mean, like, the, you know, the story doesn't make you look so hot. Okay. So, so there's a story of you going to a game in, in Calgary with some friends. Yeah. So here's the deal. My three oldest buddies that I grew up with all live in and around Calgary. And, right. they've, and they've been out in Western Canada, I think, since 2007, like a long time. And because of my job, you know, I used to always go to Leaf games. And so probably 10 straight years, like actually 10 years, they would make one trip through the Western Canadian cities. I would be on that trip every year and I'd always see my buddies. They would always make sure to get tickets to the game in Calgary. Yeah. They'd go to the game. Usually I was working and then I'd meet them after for beer. Or if one of those times when I was there early, we'd, we'd have dinner the night before the game, whatever the circumstances are. And so the season that we had COVID first arrived. So I think this was, I didn't look it up, but it's somewhere in November, I think December, 2019. Um, it just happens that the board of governors meeting was that week in California out in Pebble beach right. and Sportsnet wanted me to cover that. And so as a result, I wasn't on the whole Western Canada trip cause I was going to have to miss some games of it. So Luke Fox went for Sportsnet instead of me. But as it turned out, I was able to fly from San Fran directly to Calgary and get there the day before that game and just go with my buddies. Like, this will be great. This is the first time I can actually go and fully participate, right? Like, cause usually you know, sometimes it was rushed. You know, you're covering a game, you're doing TV hits, whatever, and I like run to a bar and have drinks for an hour, and then it's last yeah. call, and then that's all I saw my friends. Yeah. And so, uh, so great idea. So I go there, and <laughs> and you know, I stay at my buddy James Watts' house. He lives near downtown Calgary. Ah, uh, uh, shout out James. James been my boy for a long time. I I could find a pretty embarrassing looking photo of him and I from when we were like 13, <laughs> like acne, bad hair. <laughs> You know, are you going to expose him on the podcast? Maybe a no fear t-shirt or something like <laughs> bad style, you know, all those oh, things. Wait. But so I'm at James's house and then my other buddy, Kyle Duncan mm -hmm. and my third friend, Brandon Wainwright. And so Brandon, he lives out in, in Canmore now and what, and his job is he's the manager of a fire and flower, Okay, which is a place that you can buy legal drugs. That's a really interesting way of putting it. <laughs> well, cause here's the thing. I don't like, I don't know. I don't dabble in that world. Me, me neither. I, and I, I, yeah. But I didn't even like when I was young, like I just yeah. don't know anything about it. Like yeah. I just has always been the kind of guy that likes to have a bunch of beers or whatever. So yeah. You're, if you're I'm, a beer guy. If I'm letting loose, you you're, know what I'm you're saying? You're a beer guy. Yeah, sort of. And so I don't know anything about that world. Yeah. My buddy, Brandon, actually, who runs a fire and flower, doesn't drink at all and hasn't drank in a lot of years. Like we drank when we were younger, but he, 10, 15 years or more. But of course, he uses the product because, yeah. you know, he doesn't just sell it. Of course. He believes in it. <laughs> and so... <laughs> he consumes it. You can probably see where this is going. Oh, and so boy. <laughs> we're, the day of the game comes and I'm with my oldest buddies. And you know how that feels like, you know, it's like wrapping yourself in a warm blanket, you know, seeing your friends and just being with your guys. And, you know, it's great. And, and you know, so we're, we're going to walk down to the game, which is it's maybe 30, 40 minute walk from James's house to the Saddle Dome. And so we're walking and then Brandon's like, hey, have one of these. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Really. So it's an edible. Yeah. Or whatever. Okay, yeah. And like, so we're like, we're on this walk and he's like, give me stuff. And I'm just an like, edible. right. But you know, I wasn't, we weren't drinking. We were walking. In yeah. Public. We you weren't, weren't drinking any, and smoking. We weren't no. breaking any laws. No, it's fine. <laughs> but like, I literally don't ever do these things. One, you had an edible. Two, you were not doing it on company time. 
No, no, I wasn't working. Yeah, that's no. right. So that, that should that should be made clear yeah, to everyone. You I, were not working while this happened. Because I wasn't assigned to cover this trip, I had an ability to go there for two days. You were just going as just a dude. And, you know, Brian Burke, shout out Burke, he hooked me up with tickets. But shout we, out Brian Burke. But, uh-uh. Like, I had like an actual ticket. It wasn't in the press box. Uh, nothing like that. There was no, there's no work aspect to the story, really. Yeah, I just want that clear Except for everyone. Except that I do work as you know, a hockey journalist. Yes. And I'm heading to an NHL building and yes. I hadn't thought this all through. I wasn't wearing a hat or anything. <laughs> oh no. And like, I don't know. Brandon gave me a few of these things. I didn't know really what it was. <laughs> and I, I honestly oh, felt no. fine. I did feel oh, fine. No. And the way it worked, we had two sets of two tickets. The tickets Perky got us were honestly like, they were sick. They were in like the, I don't know, eighth row or something yeah. like really close to the ice. And so me and my buddy, Kyle, like we're, we're we we split up from the other two guys at a certain point when it's getting close to game time we go down there and like i start freaking out in my mind <laughs> you had a bad trip like i guess i have <laughs> oh no idea God. but like i'm not joking like we're walking down to these seats yeah and i can like hear people going like there's chris johnson there's chris johnson oh and stuff God. like like i could hear people recognizing me oh my god and i started getting so paranoid oh my god and i'm saying to my buddy kyle i'm like you might have to carry me out of here man yo like i'm like i'm like what happens if i fall on these stairs i just started to think about all the bad things that you were happen. tripping and i was like what happens if you were tripping <laughs> i'm like what happens if like something ends up on twitter or oh my god. whatever and like this is do you know what the funny thing is is because reflecting back on it yeah I, like it wasn't nothing happened well and also like nothing like i'm guessing anyone around us wasn't even aware really no but I started getting crazy paranoid. And at the point, <laughs> I'm sorry. actually, like at one point we go to the intermission and I go to the, like the public bathroom and people started chanting my name in the bathroom. It was just all these drunk Leaf fans, what right? What the hell? But they're like, CJ, CJ. <laughs> and like anyone who's ever been to the Saddle Dome, like it's really narrow concourses, right? It's an older arena. It might, might be the oldest in the league or certainly one of the oldest in the leagues now. Right. So like, there's just nowhere to hide. And, you know, I think much like my buddies out that live out there, you know, I think a lot of Ontarians that live out west, like they go to that one game because it's the one time the Leafs are there. It's exactly. a big night for them. And these people probably watched the Leafs on TV and had seen me and like recognized me. And like, I don't know. I was getting recognized. They're chanting when I'm like in the urinal. <laughs> I'm freaking <laughs> that's out. So, that's invasive. That's so invasive. Right. You're out here just taking a whiz. And yeah. someone's like, CJ, I'll tell you, CJ. I'll tell you this much. CJ. It would have been less of a problem if I was sober, but I was not sober. <laughs> oh my God. And so that was, it's probably the least fun I've ever had in an NHL rank. Like I was freaking out the whole time. I was convinced I was going to do something that got me fired or like, like misrepresent the company or something. Yeah. Again, nothing happened. We left a little bit early. If I remember like me and my buddy, Kyle, I'm like, we got to get out of here. Did, did you get carried out? No. Okay. No, like, <laughs> sorry, I should be really clear, but you but, weren't, you weren't, you weren't so bad that you had to get carried. No. Out. And again, I'm pretty sure I have a selfie from that night and like, I look normal. I just, I was freaking out. How, wait, how, how low were your eyes though? Well, we'll, we'll look at it after I'm done here. <laughs> I'll let you decide off air or off camera. But like but. My, my point is though, is that, yeah, that was an awful experience. And I made the mistake of telling Adam Wilde that story. And he's like, you got to tell it on the pod. Oh, so man. anyway, I have not gone back to the edible well since then. Okay. And it's funny. The Leafs are there in December again. And I, I don't know if I'm being assigned to that trip for work. <laughs> But I do know if I'm not, I'm going to go out and see my friends and go to the game. But sober? Oh, well, I might have a cup. <laughs> I might have a couple beers, which would be totally fine for yeah, me. It's but, fine. But I will not be getting any whatever Brandon brings in his pocket. Whatever, whatever fire and flower samplers he's got, I'm not touching any of this. As far as I'm concerned, like it's Brandon's fault. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, know what 
drugs you take before you take them. This is I like guess. my oldest friend. And honestly, I'm just such a, I just don't know anything about that. I don't, yeah. I'm sure you would laugh. If he told you whatever it was, you'd be like, wow, that got you freaking out. But it just, I don't. You're looking at me like I know drugs. No, I know. I don't know I'm drugs just, that much. I'm looking at you because I don't know what else to say. But you like, don't, you know what to say? I don't know nothing about drugs. Yeah. I don't know anything. I don't know nothing about drugs. Don't nothing. Look at, don't look at me, brother. And so, and literally, this is my oldest friend too. Like, I know it's not anything that's going to get me in trouble or anything. Like, yeah, no, you good. And we're like 37 at the time or something. Like, it's not like we were going out for a crazy night. It's just. No. It man, you could have easily replaced. You could have easily told that story and replaced edibles with "I drank a bunch of beers," and it would have been the same thing. You would have been like, "Okay, think, I'm not so, okay. Maybe not with you with sober, but with, I, with I don't think beers. I would have made me paranoid. No, it wouldn't have done that unless I was like really impaired, and I don't think I would have done that again. I was just going to enjoy the game with my yeah, buddies. Like, like the, the idea wasn't to get like if I want to get messed up, you do that afterwards. I was just going to enjoy the game, but whatever that that walk really. <laughs> Anyway, Jesse, I, I'll never look at the Sal Dome the same again. Jesse gave you a weird look just now at the, my beers analogy, and I don't think he necessarily agreed. So uh, we're going to move on uh, from... Uh, Imagine walking through a crowd and people be like, Chris Johnson, Chris, Chris Johnson, Johnson, Chris Johnson. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't CJ, even want... CJ, CJ, oh, CJ, Yeah, I feel like now whenever you see people chant your name, you just get like a bad flashback to walking in the Sal And at minimum, I'm wearing a hat next time, like just to like yeah. be a little less recognizable. So I got to ask you that question, and uh, you were so generous enough with your time to tell that story. Let's see what other <laughs> I've, people... I've blown out the time for all the rest of the questions. No, but... no way. None of that. Absolutely not. We're look, definitely going to get to time. Let the record that. show. Not every story told here makes me look good. Some of them make me look like a moron, like and, that one. And that's why people love the Chris Johnston well, show, baby. Oh, well. That's why people love the show, baby. By the way, Dad, sorry for that story. I haven't told you that one. Cobra Poppy, it's all good. It's all good. Your son is still shining. Your, so your son is still doing great things. And is still a model citizen in this world. Let's get to ask CJ. All right. Uh, producer's note here. It'd be cool. Uh, and I realize now Jesse's right in front of me. And this is going to sound like a demand. He could totally just be like, screw off. But it'd be really cool if we had some like, ask CJ music. Like a jingle? Yeah. Or I don't know. Just like, like you have it for like the press conference. Oh, we got thumbs up. Yes, we got thumbs up. So Jesse is cool with the idea of us having music for the Ask CJ segment. Maybe for stick taps too. Who, you know what? Let me not press my lips. Oh, whoa. we got thumbs up too. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> You're like a kid at Christmas here. You're like, and then mom, can I also have this? Hey, look. And man, that? I'm, 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 already in and the, that? I'm already in the building. I'm trying to see what I could get. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm like that. Uh, there's, a, there's a funny meme where uh, it takes from uh, an interview between Denzel Washington and Jamie Foxx. And uh, I think he got nominated for some award somewhere. And there was like food somewhere and he was trying to leave. And he's like, I know I'm leaving. I'm leaving here with some. Jesse knows what I'm talking about. Jesse's laughing. He knows what I'm talking about. Let's get to ask CJ. Uh, <laughs> so you so guys, your big win here is a jingle. You, you, a small jingle that we'll just play. Just ask CJ. Oh, save that. Y'all better save that. That was really good. You auto-tune it if you have to. And, 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 <laughs> you kill, still get that in tune. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ask CJ is the segment where we get uh, the lovely listeners and readers at home to send questions to CJ, whether it's through Twitter, whether it's through Discord. Shout out Discord. Shout out Discord. And uh, go on the SDPN website uh, to click on the link for Discord. Uh, 8,300 people are on the Discord. Am I correct? I believe I'm correct. Another thumbs up from Jesse. I think I'm like four for four with that now. Or three for three. I don't do math. Uh, but yeah, yeah, go on the Discord. It's a really good time, and the community is just growing. Uh, really fun time, and you can ask questions uh, like this one from Moni on Discord. 
CJ mentioned the NHL having preseason games in Mexico a couple of podcasts ago. What do CJ, or you, Julian, think the NHL can do to start that or even reach the Latin market in the United States? Move a team to Houston. Sure. Let's put more, let's put more teams close to the border. Um, maybe more seriously, though. Like I think they've identified it. Look, they have one of the greatest stars in their game is Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. Like his mom, until her early adult years, lived in Mexico. Austin speaks some Spanish, certainly you know, loves Mexican food. Like he's growing up in that culture. You know, I've been actually at a game in Arizona. Well, I've been to a few, but one, there was one, the Leafs played there December 23rd, right before Christmas. And so the cool thing for him was he was able to stay there for the Christmas break. And there right. was like a hundred of his family members all from Mexico had never been to a hockey game, like in the bottom of the rink to greet him afterwards outside the dressing room. Like just like it, it hits home when you see, you know, I think someone, sometimes you have to see it to be it. Right. And, and so you, so you can start by marketing this player in a certain way. And I think Austin, I know Austin has interest in having a broader reach in Latin America and, and, you know, trying to, to, to help spread the game there. And then, yeah. and then you do have teams in Texas. I think that there's something to be said because those teams just are geographically close. You know, they already have probably more Spanish speaking members of their fan bases just naturally because of the demographics of where they're based. Um, you know, I think that, that that would help. And, then you got to take games there. And I know, like, okay, so you play one exhibition game in Mexico City. It's not like we're going to produce a Mexican player out of that. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to get, look, at. there's going to be great athletes everywhere, right? You just want the great athletes, wherever they are, to want to play your sport. Because, you know, Austin's an example of this. Like, he, he didn't grow up with any hockey in his family whatsoever. Like, nobody. But he went to an Arizona Coyotes game with his uncle and his dad and wanted to be a hockey player. And... I'm. I'm. Don't think it's a stretch to say, given his his size and his athletic abilities, if he devoted himself to baseball or basketball or football, he probably could have found a career somewhere like that. You know, I think most athletes, generally, if if they had have applied the same fervor to what they perfected, could probably be an athlete in another sport. Which is a long way of saying people used to make fun of the Sun Belt strategy of the NHL. Like that used to be something Gary Bettman got criticized for. I think he deserves praise for it, frankly, because you get an Austin Matthews. It's not uncommon now to have players from California. There's quite a number in the league. There's a few now from Texas. You know, Blake Coleman's a notable one that, that grew up in Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, we're getting players from those other places, and, and I'll bring it back to the original point. You want to get the, the, the people with athletic abilities to play your sport. And so, you know, I think it starts with leveraging that athlete, using the teams to play down there, you know, hopefully bring some clinics and, and the like. And, and, you know, actually Boris Dorozenko is his name. It was Austin's, you know, personal skating coach as a kid. He's actually done a lot of work in Mexico. He, like he has camps around Mexico. And so, you know, it, it's just people like that bringing the sport there and introducing it and trying to get, there's so many challenges, you know, financial is, is a challenge of hockey everywhere. Yeah. The accessibility. It's, it's a challenge in Canada where, yeah. you know, a lot of people still play hockey, but it's, it's not easy. It's more than equestrian. Right. Yeah. And you have to build ice. Like if, if, if ice doesn't naturally occur where you're trying to play it, you have to artificially create it somehow. And so, you know, in Mexico, that would be the case. Exactly. And so, you know, there's, there's costs there. But I, I think you start small and recognize that the compound interest of good decisions can lead to something crazy like Austin Matthews, you know, becoming the best player in your sport or one of the best players in your sport. I mean, he's, he's kind of one in a million in a sense just because of his unusual upbringing in, in, as it relates to hockey. Um, but there can be more. Okay. 
Uh, a question coming off of Twitter here. Uh, not only can you ask questions on Discord, you can ask questions on Twitter. Uh, CJ uses the uh, the Ask CJ hashtag. Some dude named Andrew Berkshire had a question. Jerkshire. Yeah. I like Jerkshire. That makes sense. I don't think I've ever heard that before. What's your read on the Montreal Canadian situation? Surely something has to give at some point soon. Uh, this is a team. I mentioned the Vegas Golden Knights, who at one point were outshot 22 to one and we're down two nothing for those who didn't see what happened they went on to score five unanswered goals and win the game five two and then mike hoffman while trying to chase down a puck going into the empty net ended up going into the boards and crashed and wiped out and it pretty much sums up the Montreal Canadian season that could be an sdpn meme it could easily be an sdpn that, that hoffman situation oh it could have been here's the interesting thing about montreal right none of us would be surprised if we said somewhere in the next eight months mark bergman is not the general manager Eight months? You don't think it's sooner? I'm doing the rough math. His sure. contract runs through, I can't remember the exact date because they've moved contracts, but till early July, give or take. Sure. So my point is, by somewhere in early July, it wouldn't surprise us if he ceased to be the general manager of the team. But when you have that as sort of the expectation, almost even if they had done well this year, there's a little less impetus necessarily to fire him. Like normally, I think at start like this, people would be calling for the, the GM. Well, in this case... We kind of know he's not going to be there the most likely long term anyway. So, like, what does that accomplish? You've got a head coach who just got a three year extension. Mm-hmm. Like, is Dominique Ducharme losing his job? Like, I'd be stunned. Everything, anything's possible. But coaches very rarely get fired when they've got to be paid for three years um, because there's a financial element to that. Like, that's real money off the books at a t- coming out of a pandemic. And so, I get the spirit of the question that, you know, this has been a disastrous start to the year. I think that Vegas game in some ways sums up their season because they should have won the game. If, if you're taking a process over results uh, type of approach, like they should have won that game by how they played, uh, but didn't go their way and they didn't find a way to win it and they made mistakes to lose it. And so, yeah. yes, like on one hand, something has to give, but on another, I could just see them muscling through it and making the changes that are going to be changed anyway, most likely in the front office and then go from there. You know, obviously, as we get closer to the deadline, there'll be some calls to trade their players on expiring contract. You know, a guy like Ben Sherratt makes sense as a potential deadline type of trade because, you know, I think teams can use what he wants that they want to go on long playoff runs. The Habs can start to, not a rebuild, but just restock the pile a little bit in terms of draft picks. And so I actually don't believe we're going to see, I mean, look, if it gets really bad, if they lose like 10 in a row from now. I'll, heads will roll but I'll, I'll alter my approach if if like this just gets so bad that you can't ignore it but i my sense is that they'll just try to get through this and then the changes that are coming were already coming no matter if this was a good season or a bad season yeah it, it seems as if with the canadians like yeah you bring up the ducharme thing uh and you can tell me if i'm wrong i'm i'm sure they still have to pay for Claude julian's salary who they fired last season yeah, I think he had at least this year remaining. Yeah, like... It was a five-year deal originally, and just time is a flat circle because he, of this pandemic, so my years are getting blended together. For sure, because I think he lost his... He gained the Canadian's head coach in 2017. Right, yes. so he would be paid through 2022. Right. Meaning he's off the books this year, but yeah, you don't want to be paying three head coaches concurrently when only one of them works for you. Exactly. So I would... I don't think it's a stretch to say Ducharme's safe for the time being. Now, he might get a new boss if they replace Mark Pergeman, you know, for next season, and then maybe could be a different equation. Um, but yeah, I think it's tough to launch a Game Over Montreal podcast. Or maybe it's not, because sometimes chaos makes good content, too. 
because this has been a chaotic start to the season for the Habs. It's been a chaotic year. Like just, I know we've talked about that before, but like, feels like everything has happened to this team. Some good, mostly bad lately. Um, but I, I don't see, I don't see a firing in the, in the immediate future. If you want chaos on the game over podcast on the Saturday edition after the Detroit Red Wings game, Andrew Berkshire and I will be uh, eating uh, chicken wings with the hot one sauce. So I figured, you know what? Let's plug that in when we speak of chaos here. So uh, yeah, uh, check out. You're all braver of- than I am. Yeah, I am brave and stupid. Uh, let's get to the next question here. Um, any further a- updates to the Akeem Aliu situation? Last we heard, Bill Daly say that the investigation had concluded, which Aliu's representation said was news to them. Any further conversation between the two sides? Akeem Aliu, we know, was in the Chicago Blackhawks organization in 2010, uh, where he was subjected to racial abuse from then head coach Bill Peters. Bill Peters eventually lost his job when he was coaching the Calgary Flames as a result. And yes, during the uh, Gary Bettman press conference, uh, they did. The question was asked about Akeem Aliu. Bill Daly did say uh, the investigation was done, which then led to the representation of Akeem Aliu saying, hey, that's not that's news to us. I don't have an update. That's fine. I reached out to uh, his rep in the U.S. uh, and didn't hear back. And so and I haven't followed up since. So that I mean, it's I should follow up on that, but I, I haven't heard what's been the fallout since the Gary Bettman Bill Daly press conference there okay so that's fine um next question i did ask a question i just that, don't have the answer that's fine and it's okay if you don't have those answers um how about okay so we've gone through three of these there's two of them one of them is actually both i think more lighthearted. so i'll let you pick do you want the happy question or do you want the bitcoin question first let's just go happy I'm getting a lot of heat for the Bitcoin thing. I'm trying to cool my jets on that okay. a little publicly. All right. That's, that's fair. Here's the thing about Bitcoin. The Bitcoin question is not like, a, oh, is Ethereum good? It's, it, it, it has to do with hockey. Uh, but here's the happy question. There's been a, there has been a bunch of heavy news, of course. Can you share a story about something you're really happy about hockey-wise? This is from Mick Drew on Discord. Something you're really happy about hockey-wise. Man, there hasn't been that much. And that's actually kind of sad. Well, but but also understandable considering what's going on. I mean, look at the stories we've been covering. Yeah, you know, and and these stories aren't happening to us directly. No, but you feel the weight of them. You know, I I know a lot of the people involved. Um, you know, I see the discourse on Twitter. Uh, there's a fair bit going on. Yeah, there is a fair bit going on with everything going on. And, and but just, I should give an stuff. answer. I mean, I, I'm an optimistic kind I don't of guy. Know. Here's the thing. I, I wonder if like Mick, Mick Drew would be okay with just like, I don't know, you, you had some conversation with some player and some funny thing happened. Right, but we can't even talk to guys really. You know, like yeah, that's, that's true. I do miss that. I don't want to, I know that there's no time out there for media people complaining about the challenges of being a media person when you got a great job, but yeah, I get that, but it's not, it's not been the same. Like I do miss the social aspect of the job. It's good to be face to face as we're finding out here today. Yeah, you but, know what? I feel like that might actually, you know, like it, I know it's not necessarily directed at me, but like, I'm happy about the fact that I get to do a podcast with you in studio. Right. And I think that would technically count because, because this is hockey, you know, you know, I had a guy stop me today this morning and tell me how much he's enjoying the podcast zach shout out zach um and he said he's been an stpn listener slash viewer for a number of years he's pumped about what they're doing you know obviously in the dms and stuff i've got tons of great feedback and so you know maybe i'll turn it a little bit navel gazily 
gazy and just say that one thing I, that has me feeling good, to, you know, is that we get to do this and, and, you know, it's been a lot of fun to, to talk hockey, but you know, it's been a, it's been a heavy couple of weeks. I'm not going to lie. That's fine. And I'm not going to pretend I can't see beyond it. Honestly, like I've even been to a couple of games and like for me going to games is fun. Like, you know, cause you just sit there and you're like, Oh my God, like I'm getting paid to be here. Like, you know, like it's still pretty cool and I've done a, been to a lot of games, but even the games just haven't been quite as fun, I would say. Um, and you know, it's cause there's real shit going on in this sport and this league. And I don't think we've gotten to the bottom of it in the sense, or I, I don't feel as though it's just like, okay, that was taken care of. Let's move along. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not excited in the way that I normally would be, but I'll get back. But we'll all get back. Here's what I'll, here's what I'll end that off with. I, I can't imagine what it's been like for hockey fans in general. I mean, Kyle Beach is a whole other story in itself in terms of what he had endured over the last decade and plus. Uh, but I understand we're, we're a lot closer to the fans. We're a lot closer to hockey media and we see what they've been going through over the last little while. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to say it's, it's bigger than what's gone on to the part, the parties involved with the Chicago Blackhawks. But from what we see, yeah, we, we have in, endured this and we have been feeling a little bit down as a result. But what, makes me feel inspired and what makes me feel happy is that there are people who are recognizing what's gone on and even if they weren't on the story from jump they are starting to use their platforms to bring attention to the story bring attention to maybe what they could have done better with the story but also just trying to provide updates on what's going on and whether and then also you have the people who are going to the press conferences whether it's with the Blackhawks or whether it's with uh, Bill Daly and Gary Bettman, and they're asking their questions. And also, there are people who have probably seen what has gone on, and they may have learned for the future, and they're saying, you know what? Like, let's, let's try to ultimately make hockey culture better, because essentially, at the end of the day, that's what has to happen. And what's been cool for me is just seeing people like yourself, other people in media who have stepped up and written stories and asked questions, and also just people who I know are like hockey fans who are using their platforms to bring attention to that stuff for people who already were who want to continue to do that. I don't know how people would have reacted to this if this happened 10 years ago even or 20 years ago. But we're in a much different time in this space where people want the game to be better. It's going to be tough for it to be better because there are a lot of people in positions of power who... Frankly, they frankly need to get the hell out of there because they're not doing anything in terms of progressing the game where it needs to be. But there are people who want to be arbiters of change. And I think I, I don't think we're more important than any other podcast out there, but I'd like to think that our podcast is a part of that positive change. Right. And I'm seeing a lot of younger people around the sport now, which is cool, like in media, like yourself, Julian, getting to know you better. You. you know, Mike Stevens in Toronto here who's like getting to come to the rink now. He's yeah. doing great work. He's doing some work for the hockey news now. You know, Rachel Dory, someone I've, I've known personally a little bit over the years. Like, we've just got more and more Dom LeCision. Sorry if I yeah, put you got, name, yeah, Dom. I think, yeah, you got his name right. Dom LeCision is in that. I think Avery Lewis McDougall also at the Hockey News deserves a shout out as well. Yeah, like I just, I do feel encouraged by some of these people in different spots getting chances. You know, it's one thing that occurred to me. I was really lucky to do this job young, but it was a different media world I came up in. I, you know, I, there was more of a feeder system to basically going from someone who had a lot of ambition to be a hockey journalist to, you know, the kind of career I've had, there was, there was kind of a more established roads to doing that then, 
you know, there's there's obviously lots of opportunity now. If you invest in one of these microphones, you can start your own podcast. I realize it's it's one thing to do that, another thing to build a following, but you know, there's there's ways for people to get at it now. But it, it's just cool to see you guys like knocking down some doors, and I and I do think you're also bringing a different tone to the coverage. Um, you know, different vibe on Twitter, but it, I'm saying that in a good way. No, I, um, I understand. I have the vibe I have because so, I am who I am. But I'm feeling, I'm feeling encouraged about where things are going. Big picture, it's just the last couple of weeks have been so heavy. It's hard to, I had to like remove myself from the moment to see you know the forest for the trees. I think, and I understand there was the one question there, but uh, I think that's a pretty good way to end it. Sure. For, for this week's edition, for today's edition of the Chris Johnston Show. Thank I you understand to, you blew off Mike to do our podcast. You were supposed uh, to have coffee with him. So yeah, but uh, don't worry about it. We are, we we'll make up our plans. Uh, I you said st- you slid in the DMs. You made a plan and then you bailed. Also, Mike shouldn't be talking because the last time I was here, I'm going to put you on blast, buddy. Last time I was here, I sent him a DM. He left me on red. He didn't even acknowledge the fact that I want to hang out with him last time. So the fact he went on Twitter and did that, he did me dirty, bro. Wow, he's supposed to be friends. That is a that's a foul. Actually. He, I didn't know foul. about the first one. Yeah. That's a thing. That's, I saw the tweet. I was like, "Oh, you want to go there? Okay." Because right. I tried to hang out with him last time. And he didn't even acknowledged me, bro. But does he not know that trains and planes and automobiles go the other way to Montreal too? Hey, like he look, can come hey, see you. Hey, you can come see me. Because then always have to be you coming here. I'm a fan of Mike Stevens. I want to see the brother grow. But you know, you just want to get your clicks on Twitter. You just want to <laughs> get your Duncan. Enjoy your wife leaving you, bro. Yeah, I said what I said. Anyway. <laughs> Um, subscribe to the SDPN YouTube page. Uh, subscribe to Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Agent Provocateur, uh, our uh, sister show on the podcast, uh, goes out tomorrow. Alan Walsh, uh, Adam, uh, Adam, yeah, sorry, Alan Walsh, Adam Wilde hosts the show. And Martin Havlett, if you're not a West Sanders fan, you're going to like this. Martin Havlett is uh, the, this week's special guest. Are you allowed to say podcast. that? I'm not sure the Havlett news was out there. Did I just break something? Breaking news. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well, Alan. Well, it's out there now. Uh, Martin Havlat will be on uh, this week's edition of Major Provocateur. Uh, for One s- of the great gentlemen. Yeah. I got to know Martin Havlat during oh, yeah. his days in the league. He was a great, great player and really good guy to deal with media wise. I, 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 well, he's going to be on the podcast. I can't wait to, to listen to it. Uh, I'm trying to remember another AKA I was trying to come up for you. I mentioned uh, the Don of, you were the Don of Division Street, but what's the name of the big main road in, in Coburg again? Well, King Street is probably the main one. I could be the King of King Street. You could be the King of King Street? I could be the, <laughs> Henry Street is another street. You're the, home, the, hombre, the Henry Hombre. Yeah, the ombre of Henry Street. The ombre of Henry Street. So That's uh, another one near and dear to my heart. Yes, of course. Oh, uh, on the subject of Coburg, uh, go to uh, the uh, the shop on uh, the SDPN website and buy CJ Show merch because we have merch for the show and it's glorious and it's amazing. Coburg Papa's, uh, he's emptied the shelves, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure of it. He's got laptop stickers. Anyway, for CJ, I'm Julian saying so long. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We'll be back on Thursday with stick taps and anything else the NHL world will bring us. Grab bag. Yes. Oh, oh, we, we bring the grab bag back. All right, let's do it. Grab bag on Thursday and other fun stuff as well. Peace. Peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie.